Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Megan Thomas is a leader in the homeschooling world. Why? She cracked the code. If you can't connect with your kid, then learning is not going to work out. She helps people bridge the connection gap with their kids so their homeschooling experience can be next level. Megan is a wife, mother of seven children, coach, and follower of Christ. Her contact information will be in the show notes and at the end of the interview. Welcome to the show, Megan, and tell us about your decision, whenever that was, to homeschool your kids. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So I have seven kids, and I got married really young, and we started having kids fast, and our first five kids came within six years. So it was just baby after baby after baby. And I remember one time sitting down to the computer, creating an Excel spreadsheet of when would all my kids be in school? Like I was so excited. Like then I will have some peace of mind. Then it will be quiet. And I cannot wait for this opportunity (laughs) to have everybody in school. So my cute oldest, we did what everyone else does. And we found a good preschool and we put him in preschool. And then the next year, We had two kids in preschool and the way they were starting to teach my kid to read, I, it wasn't sitting right with me. And I thought, oh, I don't know that I like this. And so I kind of talked to the preschool director and she goes, well, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but that's how they do it at school. So we're just going to copy it. And I go, oh, okay. So then I went to a different preschool that did a more phonetic base learning. And I thought, oh, fantastic. We found a right fit for us. Then the next year, so we decided to do the private school route. So by this time, I have a kindergartner, two preschoolers, um, a one-year-old, and pregnant with the fifth one, right? So as they're all coming. And we did that full year of private school and just the chaos of driving back and forth and waking up a baby and three little kids, all these different places. And then the baby was born during that year and putting in all your hours and all those things that you do and homework and studying and all that. And that summer, I just had this biggest impression that I should homeschool my kids. And I thought, you've got to be crazy. My oldest is six and now I have five. This is ridiculous. I had struggled a lot with mental health and had some some pretty big concerns there. Um, My physical health after the fifth baby, just back-to-back pregnancies, had wreaked havoc on my body. So physically and mentally, there were some big issues there. And I kind of panicked and I was like, I don't think I can do this. So I panicked and I ended up enrolling them in school. So at this point, I have a first grader, a kindergartner, a preschooler, the one-year-old, and my new baby. And after one month (laughs) of just this extreme, like three different locations, one was full day, kindergarten was this time, preschool was this time, two little babies lugging around. After one month of the craziness, I thought, you're right, this it'll be easier to be at home. And so after that month, I pulled my kids out. And we have homeschooled ever since. So I believe we are on our 14th year now with homeschooling. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. 
told me that you run your family like a business. So how did you implement that so that you could be successful with so many kids close together and young? Yes. Well, it's, I think that those are some of the tools <laughs> that I was inspired to start implementing. And now I have a system, right. That I can just tell people, but at the time I had to be the creator of the system. Um, simple things of teaching them all to do the laundry at the same time. Cause I had heard so many moms with, even with smaller families of uh, just laundry being a completely overwhelming experience. And I thought I'm not going to be a slave to laundry. So everybody, we do all the laundry on Monday so I can teach everybody how to do it, which eventually created the system of all of my children doing their own laundry, where now my 10 year old um, up all do their own laundry. And even the four-year-old, another kid does his. We're just little things where it was hands-on really teaching them how to do these different things so that they can be successful and independent. Um, later on, we implemented family meeting, which to me is the very first thing to do to really start running your family as a business because what does any successful business do? They have to meet together. So they have to review, what did we do last quarter, last week that was successful or not successful? How do we keep that momentum going or do we need to pivot and switch? Do we have um, company goals, right? A company motto, a company dream and a vision and having the same idea with my family so that when they were all little, what is it I do wanna create? What do I want relationships to look like as children are teenagers or moving out of a house and those types of things? What do we want those to look like? Do we want people to come back for holidays or we don't really care, right? Because if I don't really care if my kids come back for holidays, then it doesn't really matter how I show up. But if I want to create this harbor, right, and being this lighthouse so everybody can come back, then I need to be doing things to create relationships and skills, first of all, skills for my children to be able to move out and uh, relationships and connections so that they want to come back and visit and see us and do all these things. And so just like line upon line each year, and then we've added two more kids since those first five, right, of just really getting systematic of how do we do these things. So family meeting is one of the very first things I really teach people to start doing to create a business with your family. Can you give us a specific example of a meeting where you guys discovered something and made an adjustment and then have improved your systems? I'm sure that's happened many times, but yeah, give us a specific example. And then also what is like your mission and vision? Yes. So, I mean, because we meet every Sunday, it's we have mostly teenagers, right? And so that's the day I can usually guarantee I can get everybody home. Um, so we meet every Sunday. And even this last Sunday, we were talking about just even fine tuning. So sometimes you have big issues, right? If you have little kids who are bickering a lot. So that would be a really good opportunity to teach like, hey, when your brother touches your stuff, what could we do instead? And brother, why do we keep touching other brother's stuff? Right. And just really teaching behavioral stuff as well. But even um, talking about just taking a little bit further versus just doing the bare minimum of our chores, doing a little bit higher quality. I had happened to take a couple pictures from home to church and they were covered in dust. And that's somebody's chore. And I was like, I know we couldn't see it until we took it down and we could touch it. So, like, even though nobody's really checking on it, 
What do we do? And no, we think nobody sees what we're doing. That was just a, a tweak we made this last week of just really stepping up the quality of our work. So my kids are really good at doing chores now. And now we're just even fine tuning the quality of their work. So that was um, just this most recent one that we did. And then as far as our vision statement, I have it written down. I don't have it with me, but I know our first thing is we are a celestial family. And so what we're trying to do is live in a way that we can be a celestial family. We have in there that we are frugal. So we live by principles where our kids are buying a lot of their own things by a certain age, because we want to be a frugal family and that we don't want to be in excessive debt. And we don't want those types of things that we come, we're a family that comes when someone's in need. And we are there to support. So if somebody's in a recital, somebody has a football game, we try the best as we can, as many people as we can to be there to support them, to support them in their highs and to be there for them in their lows. Basically mourn with those that mourn, right? But then cheer with those that are excited and doing awesome things. What would you tell other people when they are considering homeschooling? You're going to have a lot of doubt. (laughs) And I think this is true for anything new, anything new that you're trying. And you may even have promptings to change jobs or promptings to try something different and you feel really good and excited about it. And then you actually start doing it and you realize it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, or you compare doing it for 14 years, or even somebody who's been doing it for five years. And it's like, theirs isn't chaotic. So I think, um, I think Brene Brown says it, it's the the first time when you do something for the first time, plan on the chaos, plan on the disorder, plan on not knowing what to be, you're going to be doing. Because then when it happens, you're like, that's right. I'm just figuring out what I'm doing, right? Just like any new skill. If I'm learning to play the piano and I listen to some beautiful music, I'm like, I want to play like that. And I hire a teacher and I get all the piano books and I'm like, I'm terrible at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. And my right hand and my left hand, they're not speaking to each other. But through practice and perseverance and consistency, I can become an amazing pianist, just like I can with homeschool. So being willing to weather that storm of being uncomfortable, being willing to look dumb, being willing to fail and keep going, because that's where growth is, is on the other side of that. And if you could refurbish the educational system, what changes or improvements would you make? It's interesting because I've been out of it for so long that sometimes I'm not completely aware. I do love, like I get to fine tune my children's education individually. And I don't know that you can do that when you have 30 kids. If one kid needs to be pushed with math or another kid needs to have more artistic type math or cooking, you know what I mean? Using different ways to teach math. Like with homeschool, I love that it's, that it's not separated that God is in history and God is in science and God is just part of our whole homeschool curriculum. And just even if in school, you could say higher power or something like that, I would love to have something bigger than just us. And just really, I think to even, because if you go back to olden time schools and you had mass classrooms, so like one big classroom with multiple ages, there's a beauty to that. Instead of, hey, I can be friends with you because we're all 10-year-olds. And so we like 10-year-olds. We fear kids over 10. We bully kids under 10. And we fear adults. Instead of we're all different age groups, um, there's there's a quality of blending different ages, of growing and pushing each other. And so I have six kids. I have, well, I guess the four-year-old, we've started his homeschool journey now as well, right? So with the seven I have some who, I have one who loves math 
and he thinks it's awesome and it makes sense to his brain. And I've just been able to really, really push him. And then I have other kids who are like, math is stupid. And why will I ever need math? And this doesn't make sense. And then with those ones, I just help them have a really clear understanding. You're probably not going to be an engineer or a math teacher, but you do need to know the basics of math. So let's just get a really good foundation, but they excel in arts and all these different beautiful things. And so I love being able to individualize it instead of saying, Hey, here is the conveyor belt where everybody has to have this instead saying everybody, let's have an understanding and then let's find where you excel. And because I don't really even have to push at that point, I'm just actually getting out of the way and providing opportunities for you. And you're going to excel yourself. And all I'm merely doing is being a mentor and a guide at that point. So right. that's, I, I love that part. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what has been a big challenge as a homeschooling mom? One thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there was this part that's like, I there's many, but like what, maybe a couple. Yeah. So I think one of the things was you're still running a house while you're teaching your children. And so I think that's why I like the family meetings and the systems and running it like a business because people still need to be fed and clothes need to be washed and bathrooms do need to be cleaned. And so every, every now and then I hire a cleaner or do something like that, but for the most part is just my kids and me. And so that was a challenge of really figuring out how to implement that because you get so worried, like you have to read and you have to do all these other things, but you can actually teach both. So you can teach them how to cook, how to take care of themselves, hygiene, right. And showering and all those things along with the academic portion. So that was a challenge. Um, I think another challenge is a mom can give everything to her school and forget about taking care of her own basic needs. There's so many children and I need to be in being with all my kids and doing all this stuff. And somebody would say, when do you eat? And I was like, huh, when do I eat? So I would eat breakfast or dinner with everybody, but kind of forget to lunch or the middle of the day. And so just really making sure mom's needs are getting met as far as sleep, eating, movement, some of those basic fundamentals, right? And then even that mom is creating her own habits and hobbies and keeping up with things that she enjoys because I found too many homeschool moms that give all of it to their kids and then their kids move out and move on with their life. And mom's kind of left very empty and even a lot of depression will settle in because it's like, well, what was, what's my point now? What do I do now? Because I forgot to grow myself. And so really growing alongside your kids and supporting them and being their champion, but also being your own champion and your own support and growing right there with them and being kind of being the example of what's possible. So those are probably some of the bigger obstacles I would think. This is something I see as a pattern in almost, I've seen this over and over again, that women, no matter whether their kids are, at, are going to school or not, or whatever it may be, but that a lot of them struggle to continue to take care of themselves. And then they wonder why they're depleted and empty and without energy. I have been homeschooling a, a girl and there's a lot of reading in the curriculum and it feels like way too much reading for her to be able to like maintain that for, it's just too much reading. So how do you keep the attention of your kids when you're working with them 
on something and you're like, oh, wait, this curriculum, maybe I need to make adjustments, but how do you work with that? Yes. One of my favorite kind of homeschool philosophers, I guess you could call her, would be Charlotte Mason. And she was from the 1800s. And she really was really big on not having twaddle is what she called it. And so that's the fluff. I call them garbage, garbage books, but books that just have no meat to them. They're just fluffy. They're what you will find a lot of at traditional stores that there's no depth to the books and to the characters. So she's really big on getting rid of those types of things. Obviously, she didn't have TV in her day, but people who have kept up her ideas are kind of getting rid of those things, getting screens out and all of that, because that does affect your attention span, right? When you have instant gratification with the screen versus a book. So kind of getting some of those things out. But then her idea was really short and sweet, but high quality lessons. So if I am teaching, let's say history, and uh, what did we learn this last month? This last month we did the Revolutionary War. And so instead of going into great detail and like, why did the pilgrims come over and they went from England to Holland and, and what did they face over there? And then they made it over here, right? Instead of these big, long history lessons, we kept sweet with depth. So really understanding like what is taxation without representation? Why was England taxing them in the first place? And they're like, well, because we made it really short and sweet. And so by not making these long drawn out lessons and we have to read everything and we have to do all of this, just keeping it shorter and sweeter, because all I'm trying to do a lot of time is ignite the flame in them so that they want to go and study it themselves. So that then they are excited, like uh, maybe we're gonna get army men and act out the battle of Bunker Hill, allowing them to start opening up the space for questions because then they're gonna care to go and learn the information on their own. Really, instead of me just having these long drawn out lessons and then quizzing them about it, they're short and sweet with depth to excite them and get them their own flame ignited to want to learn more. What are some of the great ideas your kids have come up with? So my second son ran with music and he was able to compose so much music and just even the desire to go and um, record. He would play all the instruments and then would get all the equipment to then overlay it and make this track. And it was him on, on everything. So I think just even... Like that to me blows my mind because I didn't teach that. We just would listen to a lot of good music and study composers. And here's all these cool things they did. And it excited him like, well, I could do that. I could figure it out. That one blows my mind. I guess even another kid, he's in debate. And it's funny because he's like, writing is stupid. Writing is pointless. And we're like we're trying to make it fun and exciting and reading good books and whatnot. And all of a sudden he's in debate now. And he was like, I just want to keep writing in my oratory. And I just want to work on this. And I have all these really good valid points. And I, I really am excited to share it. And so I guess even just watching their excitement for something. And I could go through all of my kids of seeing them click on, oh my goodness, I'm good at this. And I love it. So I think more of that flame getting excited for them. I love watching that part to my kids. Yeah, that's so fun. When I've watched Hazel, she has been this example to me of saying, well, let's do a picnic here and let's, how about we play this game and I'll quiz you this way. And like, she'll come up with ideas all the time about how she wants to do it. 
And a lot of times as a teacher, when I was in the public school system, they would come up with great ideas and I'd be like, how can I make that happen? Or how can we do that? And a lot of my greatest ideas came from the students or were inspired by them. They're little humans of inspiration and lots of creativity is coming out of them. Well, it's fun too. I work with them to create their schedules. So I guess that's where a lot of their input comes in of, I want to study this. So my cute 10 year old, he's kind of at that age where we're trans um, doing that transition from all with mom to start becoming more independent. And so he's ready for some harder books. And so just coming to me saying, I want to read four agreements because big brother read four agreements and it changed his life. And I think I'm ready to tackle a book like that. Just even that excitement. My one daughter wanted to understand China and communism. And so she just dove in to more complex books of really understanding all of the things with Chairman Mao and all the things that came with that. So just watching them kind of create their own schedule with me and then they go wild with it. So I think that's super fun. I feel like they learn a lot more than they ever would in a different environment without that freedom to kind of choose how they want to get into a specific topic. How has homeschooling made you a more capable and independent woman? Oh my goodness. It has, it almost feels, I mean, I can say this now because I'm so far down the path, but at now I can look back and see my own growth. And in the beginning, you think it's such a sacrifice. And then as you just reap all the blessings from it, you're like, I would do this a hundred times again because of my love for learning that has been ignited and my love of studying. And I laugh, I was trying to count how many books I'm reading right now. And I'm like, I have a book uh, that I read here and I have a couple on my nightstand and I have a couple of my morning study books. And then I listen to these podcasts and I'm like, I am so excited for learning. So that has ignited a ton in me. It's also one of the areas that I've grown is how I show up with my kids. So like this month I've been doing no yell November and I love teaching people how to not yell at their kids anymore and how to not be snippy and bicker and just have how to have a peaceful home. And so you wouldn't think with seven kids and really loud, strong personalities, not all of my kids are extroverted, but a lot of us are, and a lot of us are loud to still have a peaceful, thriving home. And so I feel spoiled. And my kids were mentioned this the other day. They're like, we didn't know other siblings didn't get along. We were so shocked by this, or we heard a parent yell at a child and we're like, what parents yell at their kids. And so just, I feel spoiled that my own growth has been so much greater than I thought would be as far as my love for learning, the things that I've got to study, the ways that I've created to run a home, like a business, right? All those types of things, what I've seen that's been created with my family. And so I really wanted to create independent children and I created really independent children. And so it has allowed me the space to create my own hobbies and go after my own dreams and having my children be my cheerleader, just like I have been with them. So there's so much growth all around. So can you tell us more about how we, whether we're homeschooling or not, but how do we get into No Yell November and like overcoming irritability? How are you educating? So for example, if you're noticing irritability, because that's really natural between siblings and like, oh, so-and-so is bothering me or whatever that may be, or they're bothering you. What do you, what's like a tactic you're teaching them about managing their emotions? There's a free Facebook group, No Yelling Mamas. 
And then every November is when the big challenge is. And so there's just always little tips and whatnot throughout the year, right? And then November is the big beefy one. But when siblings are irritable with each other, the biggest thing that a mother can do is to become tolerant of the noise and learn to ignore it. Because if there is no harm happening, there is actually so much growth happening between the siblings. So siblings disagreeing and arguing, even if there's no blood or broken bones or destruction, ignore it and walk away. Because a lot of times they will learn valuable, valuable skill from those disagreements. As far as you being irritable, you have to remember that all of our feelings come from the stories we tell ourselves. And so if I have a story that my kids should not fight and then they fight, I'm going to feel irritable, right? But if I have like my cute little four-year-old, he's taught me so much. (laughs) And like two-year-olds cry, two-year-olds totally have meltdowns at Costco and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom and it doesn't mean that he's a horrible child or anything like that. Like sometimes kids have meltdowns and I don't need to have a meltdown to their meltdown. And what's interesting too, with emotions and everything, like that really comes from the story we're telling ourselves, but if we have kids who are all grumpy, our emotions want to match other people's in the room. So we can either go down and match our children's irritability, or we can be peaceful and joyful and their emotions will come and match us. So there's so much work to be done for mom being the safe parent, being a neutral ground of like. I don't have to jump in this fight. I do not need to be a referee because I'm going to rob them of so many skills. If I'm always jumping in because you don't even get a full picture, right? Even, especially I have five boys, right? And so some, one brother will punch another brother. And then, so if I were just to react and say, okay, you're in trouble and, and don't touch your brother. And then come to find out the brother who punched, he was like, well, he called me a name first, or he ripped something of mine. And I was like, whoa, back up. Like I reacted and I just created a mess. And it's interesting when we interject ourselves into sibling disagreements, it actually creates sibling rivalry. But if mom will just stay out and stay neutral and we don't create the rivalry. So just allowing kids to be irritable, like they have emotions and feelings and they don't need to be happy all the time and instead teach them how to feel those feelings. And then for ourselves, how to feel irritable and not react to it. Okay. When I feel irritable and my kids are crying, then I make a plan and I go on a walk or I put in headphones or whatever that is for you. of just really learning like, and it's all line upon line, step upon step. It doesn't happen magically overnight. So you pick like one little area where you want to work on. Like first I'm going to work on not reacting to my kids fighting. Fantastic. I've worked on that for a month now. Now I'm going to work on this of not getting irritable because my kid is irritable and I'm going to work on myself. Right. And so just always trying to be a little bit better, but we don't need to feel bad about being irritable or angry, but we also don't need to react to it. Just willing. Sometimes I feel irritable, just like sometimes my kids want to fight. That's so great. Good advice there. What (laughs) have you done to avoid burnout? Make sure your fundamentals are being met, met. eating, sleeping, and having some movement. For me, I only homeschool four days a week and I always take Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So that's a good way for me. Friday night, I go out whether or not my husband's in town, either I'm going out with him, I'm going out by myself, but like I'm, I'm off, I'm off the clock. So that's a big way for me. And then I always try to have something for myself. So if I want to be doing a race or some sort, so I'm training or doing things like that. 
where it's something for me versus giving everything to my children. So just, those are some things I do. Some people need, um, quiet time in the day. I don't need as much quiet time for myself like daily, but some people are like, I need 30 minutes alone. And that helps them to avoid burnout. But for me, I just need a big chunk Friday night. I'm off duty as a mom. And then having my own little things throughout the week, like I go work out or I go do something just for myself. And that helps me to be refreshed. Like, Hey, we're ready to go. Let's do this. How are you building community through homeschooling? beyond your kids, I guess, like beyond the community you have within your own family, but like, how have you built community (laughs) outside that? Yeah. So I was really lucky when I started homeschooling because Facebook wasn't even around when I started homeschooling. Right. So there was no, there were no groups that way to find. Um, I happened to have two neighbors start the same time I did and they did not keep homeschooling, but it was really nice in the beginning to kind of do some of those things. Um, I've also found when you have younger kids, it's really easy to still just connect with kids in public school because kindergartners get out in the middle of the day, or you could connect with cousins. And then as my kids have grown, and now you have Facebook groups and all sorts of stuff like that. So many moms will post like, Hey, I teach a Shakespeare class who wants to have their kids come. And so my kids have done, found really cool classes like that. Uh, we've done, uh, co-ops where we've met once a week with different groups of people to do different classes. Right now we're just doing a nature group so that we're going with them three times a month. And then we have all of our other stuff, right? Like our church activities. And if someone is, uh, my boys are in basketball right now and somebody else is in theater or something like that, that they're always building lots of different communities and just it's everywhere. All you have to, you really just have to be willing to look. And sometimes you have to put forth the work of like, then I guess I'll create it because sometimes it may not exist where you live yet, but you, that maybe it's because you're the person who gets to create it. What is one of your favorite pieces of feedback you've received about your specific program that you have given, like the No Yell November? I don't know what your program is actually called, but I you help other homeschoolers. And I know that you have your six skills like the successful six, you cover those uh-huh. for us as well. My program is a pyramid and the base of the pyramid is all about mom and having courage, being willing to fail, kind of getting rid of manuals for your kids of should behave this certain way or kids should do this or, or should do these types of things. I've just really getting into that space of I'm in charge of how I show up not my children, because my children do a horrible job of controlling my emotions. Right. And so really putting mom back in that driver's seat. So that's the biggest foundation. And then we build upon that to create the connection with our children. Cause if you can connect with your kids, you can teach them anything. And that would be the aspect of where we work on not yelling. Um, cause if you had a teacher at regular school who yelled at you all the time, you would not like that teacher. You wouldn't want to go to school. You wouldn't want to be with that teacher. Right. So learning how to connect with your kid, whether it's an angsty teen or a grumpy toddler, uh, just learning how to really connect with them. And then the next piece is running the family like a business. And that's a lot where we do the successful six and the successful six are finances, emotions, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And so we are mentoring our kids in all those different areas 
to become successful adults. So basically we work backwards. What do we want our kids to know when they're 18 and ready to move out of the house? And we work backwards. And as they become around between 10 and 12, we start implementing those skills into their homeschool to start reading books on finances, to start reading books on emotions or mental, being able mental toughness, right? Those types of things. But even um, with physical, really teaching them skills to take care of themselves through their health, through movement, through hygiene, washing their own clothes, like all those types of things, right? Socially, that's a lot of where we do our service. How can we make the world a better place instead of somebody should make the world a better place? Like, how can we do it? Right. We can pick up garbage wherever we go. We can be kind to people we see. Um, we know a neighbor got hurt. We'll take him dinner. Right. Those types of things. And then the top of the pyramid is homeschool, where we really teach how to teach like the Savior taught, how to really get them excited for learning and all those types of things. That's kind of the basis of my program is going through those four things. And I think one of my I actually have a cute note I keep right here that somebody sent to me um, that's in my program. And just talking about, I'll never be able to repay you for what you have done for me and my family, but I'll try. (laughs) You have been an earthly angel that has appeared in a time of a much needed miracle and change in my life and my family's. Thank you for your never ending patience and your love and acceptance. So just lots of, I'm eternally grateful. This has changed the whole trajectory of our family. One cute mom told me the other day that she kind of hated her kid. She goes, I feel bad to say this. And I think a lot of moms do feel bad to say this of like, I hated my kid and we did not like each other. It was mutual. And now we're excited to see each other. We have connected. She goes, I didn't know it was possible with this particular child. And I think those are the things that people always think it's going to be about academics. Like, oh, my kid's so smart, or they got a perfect score in the ACT or something like that. But it always comes down to, I didn't know this could be so fun. I didn't know my family could thrive in this type of way. I didn't know I could love my child no matter what was going on. And so those are some of my favorite feedbacks I've got of like, I didn't know I could create this. Thank you. So those are always fun to receive. Oh, so beautiful. Cause then it keeps you going. It's like, yes, this matters. And of course we can internally forget sometimes. So we do need those external reminders that people are uh, implementing the things that we're teaching and that they're true for them, just like it's true for us. If you were tasked with building and running a school, what would it look like and how would it function? I don't know. There's something beautiful about a mother teaching her own children. And like, we teach them all the basics and we teach them to eat and to walk and to talk. And there's something so amazing about a mother with her children. So I guess if I were to create a school, I wouldn't start it until they were much older when they have this solid foundation of who they are, have their family values and what they stand for. So that when they're a teenager and people are doing certain things that they have such strong understanding of a family culture, that there's not even a question of like somebody's doing drugs. Like that's not who my family is. Like we're a family that doesn't do those types of things. And like, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to judge you, but I know I'm not going to participate with that. And so I think if I were to create a school, it would not be very long. It would be pretty short and just help them to really thrive into the areas where they excel. Instead of saying, everybody has to learn these like 
calculus or everybody has to learn advanced science or something like that, but just saying like, let's just know the basics and then let me help you thrive in whatever area you want to thrive. Sounds amazing. (laughs) What role has your husband played in the homeschooling journey? That is such a good question. Um, He is such a nice, likable guy. Like if you met him, you'd love him. And he's so sweet. And to his ever letting, ever loving credit, he is 100% my biggest supporter. As far as our actual homeschool though, he is hands-off. His undergrad is linguistics and he speaks a lot of languages. We thought it'd be really fun to have him teach, but he has been the sole provider for our family. And that got really tricky to say, Hey, throw in all these language lessons on top of providing for this huge family. Right. So we did try that for a little bit. Um, and it quickly faded. (laughs) It didn't work, but, um, he has been probably the biggest cheerleader. And I think that's been amazing because he also took a leap of faith when we started homeschooling. I had that last baby, that fifth baby really threw my body for a loop and I had been hospitalized and then I'd already had some mental health issues. And I look at him like, I can't believe you were down with this and didn't say like, no, Meg, you've got some major stuff going on. This is so not right. And so to his credit, he is, he probably had a lot of reservations, but I said, I'm going to do it. And he knows my personality well enough. When I decide I'm going to do something, I, I finish through with it. And so he has been hands down, just the biggest supporter. Um, he builds me more bookcases or has somebody build me more bookcases when I buy way too many books <laughs> and um, just really supporting me and letting me kind of just go wild with our homeschool. And so that's been really fun. And then the question on that is what is one of your personal heroes and then how can we contact you? Um, my personal heroes, that's, I don't know. I'm so funny. One of my kids asked me, who's your favorite something with star Wars. And I was like, I like this person and this person and this person. And so I'm not great with just singling it out, but there are just beautiful people that have been such example. I've really been diving into the scriptures and just different people in the scriptures that pop up to me, right. Of their example of perseverance or their example of pushing through when things get hard or you're not understanding anything. So a lot of people in the scriptures pop up in my mind. Um, as far as homeschoolers, Charlotte Mason, I have a lot of respect for her Sarah McKenzie. That's her name. She wrote a beautiful book called homeschooling from rest of really just where Christ will fill in the gaps. Uh, you don't have to teach your children everything, right? You pray and you have a lot of faith and Christ fills in the gaps. So she's been awesome. Um, so just different friends that have been awesome examples and been open. Um, I have friends that have way more kids than I do and just seeing their light and their willingness to share their bad days and their willingness to share, like, here was a huge flop we had, but here are some awesome wins we had. So I think probably my girlfriends, as far as people I know would just be my biggest, uh, support system of just, I admire all these women as we are so open. We call it our sweets and our sours and we get together every month. Right. And it will be a sour could be like my kids driving me crazy, but then a sweet is my kid got it. My kid is reading. I didn't think they'd ever get it. And now they're getting it right. And so just these heroes that are persevering through their hard days. And so probably I would say my girlfriends are the biggest hero that have a huge impact on me on a regular basis. So I'm, 
my website is coachmegthomas.com. And my Instagram is the hippie mama, T-H-E-H-I-P-P-I-E-M-A-M-A. That name I created so many years ago with homeschooling with so many, you don't have to have your babies at home if you become a homeschooler, but I totally went that route where we became completely natural and really into a lot of hippie type things, right? I still make my own toothpaste, Um, but just that name just kind of stuck. So that's my social media handle. And then coachmegthomas.com is my website. You mentioned books. Clearly you're a lover of books. So, uh, and you gave us a couple of recommendations, but is there anything else that you'd be like, this is just an absolute must read for your children, like as a read aloud or for yourself, both. So I do love the, uh, homeschool from rest. That is one I really love. And then I have, I'm gonna grab out the name. It's for the children's sake. And it's by Susan Schaefer McCauley. I hope I say that last name, right. And she took a lot of Charlotte Mason's writings and put them into our vocabulary. So this is one of my favorite, another one of my favorite homeschool books. Um, as far as our favorite read alouds, we have, oh, way too many. Um, but just even fun ones like Pollyanna and Freckles is kind of a boy version of Pollyanna, a little princess. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of our favorites. The hatchet is a really fun one. A little boy who survives in Canada with just a hatchet. Uh, just any I guess it basically boils down to stories with really good morals and stories with people um, figuring out when things are hard. Just any of those types of stories. I just, we love those. We eat them up. And is there anything that I haven't asked that you're like, I really want to share this with your um, audience or that you want to tell us before we say goodbye? The biggest thing I hear when people are like, oh, homeschooling does sound great, but I could never because. Those reasons are just a story you're telling yourself, right? Because I do the same thing in different areas of my life. Like, oh, I could never do this because, and then I give you my excuses. And those excuses are just obstacles to figure out, right? Because when I started, I was not a patient mom. I'm, I'm nursing. I have all these little kids and I'm falling asleep during them reading. Those were my obstacles at that time. And now my obstacles are just different, but I just always am trying to rise up and to face those obstacles. Um, I've heard people say like, well, if my husband was more supportive, I'm like, you don't need him to be. It's, it really is. I'm sure there are different things you do that your husband's like, maybe you're vegan and your husband's like, nope, I eat meat. Right. And you're like, but I'm still going to be vegan. Um, so just the different excuses, like I'm not patient. I I need the break. I, whatever those are, those are just obstacles to figure out. So if you want to learn patience, you want to know how quick way to do it is be with your kids every day and you're going to learn your patience, right? Um, If you need a break, then you figure that out. And maybe that's hiring um, somebody to come over for a couple hours a day, or just figuring something like dropping them off at grandma's, but anybody can and you can acquire the skills to do it. And I have helped women who work full time and they still homeschool and women with one child versus women with 10 children, right? Like everybody has a reason why it's hard and different obstacles. And it's whether or not are you willing to face that obstacle and overcome it and feel the discomfort of that and grow or not. And that's what I love really helping people to face those different obstacles that pop up and then teach them skills to overcome those hurdles.